Morning, everybody. Um, so the first reading is Deuteronomy 6, verses 13 to 19. Fear the Lord your God. Serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the people around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. Be sure to keep the commands of the Lord your God and the stipulations and decrees that he has given you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that it may go well with you. And you may go in and take over the good land that the Lord promised on oath to your ancestors, thrusting out all your enemies before you, as the Lord said. And the second reading is from continuing on in Luke, chapter 4, verses 1 to 15. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you're the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered him, It is written, man shall not live on bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him an in an instant, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple if you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they will lift up their hands so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the, Lord, when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him. For an opportune, until an opportune time. Thanks, Suz. I um, just said earlier, my name's Mark. If we haven't met, I'm one of the, the pastors here at Trinity Church Modbury. Stephen, our senior pastor, is off preaching at another church in our network this morning. He'll be, he'll be back next week. And just a reminder from what Brian said earlier, we've got Q&A afterwards so if you if you feel like there's something i've said where i haven't quite answered a question you've got or, or you're not quite sure what a particular verse is on about then then just file that away and um shortly after the sermon we'll have a chance to ask those questions and i'll, I'll give my best attempt to to answer those questions uh well years and years ago back when i was on my l plates as a teenager i was i was driving to footy training one night mum was in the passenger seat it was it was really cool um, and it was, it was belting down with rain. It was get, it was, the rain was getting heavier and heavier. Uh, visibility was getting really bad. It was the worst weather that I'd, I'd ever driven in. And, and I was struggling to, to keep my car in the lane. I was struggling to see the, the cars around me with all the glare of the headlights. And, and I knew that I was out of my depth in that moment. And, and so I, I swallowed my pride. I turned into the first 
side street that I could find and I, and I said, look, mum, you're going to have to take over and get me to footy training. Uh, not the proudest moment of my life. I definitely didn't tell anyone at footy training <laughs> about it. But um, at that moment, I needed someone to do what I couldn't. And the message of Luke's gospel, which we're looking at this morning, is that that is the situation that all of humanity is in. Needing someone to do what we can't. Now, human failure and, and human brokenness is its everywhere that we look in the world around us. It's in our news headlines. It's in our personal lives. Uh, whether it's bombs getting dropped on Ukraine, whether it's people getting scammed out of their life savings, uh, or just those times where we say or we do and we think things that, we, that we're ashamed of. And you wonder, where do we look for hope in the midst of it all? Where do, we, where do we look for hope in the midst of all this brokenness? Well, Luke wants us to see that our hope can't be in ourselves. It can't be in our world leaders. It can't be in any other flawed human beings. There's only one person who gives us true hope. There's only one person who can do what we can't and rescue us from our failures. And the passage that we've just read in Luke's Gospel shows us why Jesus alone is qualified to save us. Uh, and what we see in Luke chapter 4 is, firstly, that Jesus resists temptation. Uh, we, we see in verses 1 and 2, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, in one of the Bible's great understatements, he was hungry. Um, I, I had to fast a couple of weeks ago for 18 hours to have an endoscopy, and I, I reckon by about the four-hour mark, I was just, I was hating it. Um, so after 40 days Without food, Jesus would have been unimaginably starving. He would have been at his physically weakest, most vulnerable point. And for those 40 days, he had the devil right there with him, tempting him, trying to exploit his weakness by getting him to sin. Uh, Luke records these three particular temptations that we read in this passage. There were probably a whole lot of other things that the devil was doing in that time, but, but Luke records... These three ones, uh, the first one that we see there in verse 3. The devil says, said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Now, I have to say, at face value, that sounds pretty reasonable, doesn't it? He's been starving for, for 40 days in the desert. What, what's the issue with turning a stone into bread if you're able to do it? Well, Jesus answers him. It's written, man shall not live on bread alone. And what Jesus is doing there is he's quoting a passage from the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, uh, where God's people are told that uh, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And so, in other words, Jesus is saying, look, my physical needs are very important. It's, it, it's not good that I'm, that I'm hungry. But my greatest need is God's word. That's what I ultimately depend on. And if we remember back to verse 1, we saw that it was the Holy Spirit who had actually led Jesus into the desert. He led Jesus into the desert to go hungry and to be tempted. Jesus hadn't just got lost and ended up in the desert and, and run into the devil. He, he had a God-given purpose for being in that situation at that time. And so Jesus knew that, that in that moment to eat 
would be to disobey God's instruction to him, to show that God's word wasn't his greatest need. And so Jesus stands firm against temptation. And so the devil tries again. Uh, We see in Luke uh, chapter 4, verses 5 to 7, the devil leads Jesus to a high place. Uh, He shows him all the kingdoms of the world, and he says to Jesus, you can have all of this. Um, It's been given to me. I can give it to anyone that I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Look at all these things you could have right now, the devil is saying. "I I can give you better things than God can give you. All you have to do is worship me. Uh, But Jesus answers him, and again he answers him from the book of Deuteronomy. It's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Uh, Jesus knows there's there's nothing that he can get that that is better than to to know and to love and to worship God. So the devil tries a different tact. The devil tries to to take an Old Testament passage of his own and tries to to use that on Jesus. Uh, We read that the, the devil led Jesus to Jerusalem had him stand on the highest point of the temple, which would have been pretty high off the ground, I'm guessing, and and said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written in in Psalm 91 in the Old Testament, he, that is God, will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Now, again, at, at, at face value, it doesn't sound like a particularly evil thing, to do, but, but Jesus knows that it's a trap. And so once again, for a third time, he quotes from the book of Deuteronomy. Uh, Jesus answered, It is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. See, Jesus knows that by jumping off that building, he would be testing God. That is, he'd be forcing God's hand He'd be using God. So in, instead of obediently following God, he'd be demanding that, that God respond to him. Uh, he'd, he'd be asking God to submit to his will instead. And if we expect God to, to simply respond to what we want, when we want it, um, for God to basically be our, our personal butler, well, we haven't understood who God is. Uh, and so once again, Jesus resists. The devil has tried for 40 days. He is eventually unsuccessful tempting Jesus, so he he gives up. And the Holy Spirit, who who led Jesus into the desert in the first place, leads him back to civilization to continue his teaching. And we'll we'll pick up on that again next week. So Jesus has resisted the devil's temptation to sin. That's basically what we we see in those 13 verses. Uh, But why is that significant? Why is that significant for us? Well, because it means that Jesus has succeeded where we all fail. Jesus has succeeded where we all fail. Uh, last week in Luke chapter 3, we, we saw uh, Jesus was baptized. And, and at his baptism, he was publicly identified as God's son. God, God had said, this is my son. With, with you, I'm well pleased. And then fast forward to chapter 4. And Jesus being tempted in the desert is the proof that, that he is Indeed, the true Son of God. Uh, We didn't cover it last week, but right after Jesus gets baptized, Luke records for us this long list of ancestors, Jesus' human ancestors, all the way back to Adam, the first human, who who Jesus refers to as the Son of God. And so what Luke wants us to see is that Jesus is going to prove himself 
to be the true son of God. By succeeding where Adam failed. Now, if we think back to the, the beginning of the Bible, if, you, if you've read the first couple of chapters of the Bible in the book of Genesis, we, we read that Adam was, was in a beautiful garden. He, he had everything he could possibly want. Um, and yet the devil comes and tempts him, and, and Adam gives in. He fails. Um, fast forward to, to Jesus, and, and Jesus is starving, hungry in the desert. He has nothing. And yet he's able to resist every temptation. The difference between Jesus and Adam is clear. And Jesus doesn't just succeed where Adam failed. He succeeds where the whole nation of Israel failed as well. Uh, So back in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus, the nation of Israel is referred to as God's son. God God calls Israel, my son. Uh, And yet in the desert, they they fail as well. They, They reject God's word. They worship other gods. They put God to the test. They, they fail in all the ways that Jesus succeeded here in the desert. Uh, and so the 40 days that Jesus spends in the desert, I think is, is meant to remind us of the, the 40 years that Israel spent there being punished for their sin. The Deuteronomy verses that Jesus throws back at the devil to, to help him to resist temptation, they, they were actually verses that were given to Israel in the first place because of all the ways that they failed to obey God. And sadly, they were verses that Israel continued to disobey in the years and the centuries that followed. So Jesus is the true Son of God. And, and notice the devil even tries to use this Son of God identity to, to try and make him sin. Um, he says to him, look, if you're really the Son of God, why are you starving to death in the desert? You know, why, why don't you prove yourself by, by making God rescue you or, or by showing how powerful you are? And the irony is that it's actually by resisting this temptation that Jesus proves his identity. Succeeding where Adam failed. Succeeding where Israel failed. And indeed succeeding where we all fail as well. Uh, this temptation in the desert was a very unique experience in in Jesus' life. None of us, I'm sure, have been through anything quite like it before. But the nature of the temptations that he faces represent what we all face in our day-to-day life. The the temptation to turn away from God's word and and to depend on other things. The temptation for for my desires to lead me away from God. That temptation to test God and, and to demand that that God serves me, that God serves my timetable and, and my demands rather than me serving him. And the devil is constantly at work trying to, to lead each one of us away from, from trusting and obeying God, trying to lead us deeper and deeper into sin. And that's a reality that, that we need to be mindful of. We, we have an evil, destructive enemy who's going to target our naturally sinful hearts with every opportunity that he gets. And he can do that because, because none of us can constantly resist sin. None of us can obey God perfectly because there's something broken inside all of us. Which sounds like a really offensive thing to say, but, but it helps us to understand why the world is the way it is. Why we see human failure and human brokenness everywhere we look. Why we look around us and we see wars, corruption, 
violence, abuse, inequality, broken relationships, selfishness. And if we're being honest, why we, we look inside ourselves and see a lot of the same things? Sin uh, turns us inward. It, it puts me at the center of the universe and it leaves, leaves us out of relationship with a perfect God. It leaves us deserving that God's judgment. It leaves us hopeless. Sin is the biggest problem that we face. And it's beyond us to solve because we're all trapped in it. We're, we're all naturally in our own strength, our own ability, our own goodness. We're all trapped in it. Our only hope would be that if there was someone, someone who wasn't trapped in it, someone who could come from the outside and rescue us from it. And because Jesus succeeded where we all fail, he is that person. He is able to save us. Uh, we read right at the end of, of Luke, the Luke chapter 4 reading that when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. There was another time of testing that was going to come for Jesus when he was faced with the cross, faced with his own death. And once again, in that moment, Jesus obeyed his father. And as Jesus died on the cross, what he was doing was he was swapping places with us. Jesus was, was taking all of our sin on himself. God was judging him and punishing him for, for all of the ways that we deserved it. And that's why Jesus had to resist sin. He had to succeed where we failed. See, if Jesus was a, was a sinner, he, he wouldn't be able to die to save sinners. He, he'd need saving himself. He'd be trapped with us. But by succeeding where we failed, he proved himself qualified to stand in our place and to pay our debt. The true Son of God, the only one who could save us. Because Jesus is fully human, he, he's able to represent us. He's able to stand in our place. But because he's, he's also fully God, he was able to do what we couldn't do and resist sin. Now, the writer of the, the book of Hebrews in the New Testament puts it like this. He says that since the children, that is all of us, have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in our humanity so that by his death, he might break the power of him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. Uh, June 6, 1944 has been given the name D-Day. You've probably, probably heard that name before. Uh, it was the day of the, the Normandy landings in World War II. It was when the, the Allies launched an assault on German forces that led to the, the liberation of Paris. It, it eventually led to the German retreat. Um, the war itself lasted another 10 months or so before Germany surrendered. But, but D-Day was the day when that decisive blow was struck, which, which turned the, the tide of the war. Jesus' temptation here is, is a bit like D-Day. Because in the, in the desert, Jesus resisted the devil. He did what no one else had done before him. And on the cross, he disarmed the devil. Because the devil can now no longer accuse us before God if our trust is in Jesus. No charge against us will stick. It was like we sang in that, that beautiful hymn, the, the second song that we sang this morning, before the throne of God above, that, that Satan has no power to accuse us anymore. Jesus has paid the price. He's disarmed the devil. And, and one day he'll return 
to destroy the devil for good, and that is the day that we are longing for. Uh, so do you believe all of this? Do you believe that, that Jesus did what you never could so that you could come to God? Is this the truth that, that your life is built on? Are you committed to living for Jesus in response to this news? Is there anything to, to, to stop you from declaring today, right now, that I'm accepted by God because Jesus died in my place? Are there any barriers to, to being able to say that? That would be a great one to, to think about. Um, I would love to have a chat if that's something you'd like to, to chat more about personally. Uh, so pulling it all together, uh, Jesus resisted every temptation to sin. And in doing so, he succeeded where everyone before him and everyone since him has failed to prove that he alone is able to save us and bring us back to God. So I guess then the question is, what are we meant to take from this passage? How, how should it shape my life this week as I go to school or go to work or, or whatever we do this week? Um, well, we could apply it practically. Jesus is showing us here how to resist temptation. We resist temptation by holding to God's word, by depending on the Holy Spirit. Uh, we could apply it pastorally as well. That when we're being tempted to sin, we remember that in the words of Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, we, we have a great high priest in Jesus who empathizes with our weaknesses, who has been tempted in every way just as we are, and yet who didn't sin. And those things are both true. Jesus is modeling to us how to resist temptation. He, he's showing us that he gets it when we're facing temptation. Those things are true. But there's something even bigger going on here. I don't, I don't think Luke records these events so that we aspire to, to resist sin like Jesus did. They're, they're here to show us that Jesus has done what we couldn't. And so that the big message here isn't, be more like Jesus, although that's a, that is a great message and it's absolutely true. Um, it's just not the big message of this particular passage. This passage is here to, for us to see that we're not like Jesus. Or more to the point, he's not like us. And if we've truly grasped this at a heart level, then it, it's going to change us in two big ways. Firstly, it's going to grow us in humble dependence on Jesus. Because I know that I bring nothing at all to the table. I'm saved because Jesus did what I couldn't. Not because I earned it. Not because I did a pretty good job and, and Jesus just added the finishing touches on top. No, Jesus did what I couldn't. And that's my identity. When I choose to follow Jesus, I'm, I'm saved by him and not by me. And honestly, I think this is a massive barrier for a lot of people. Um, we live in a very merit-based world, don't we? we? We love the idea of being self-made people with our, our identity being tied up in our own achievements, um, comparing ourselves with, with other people around us every step of the way. That, that's just the air that we breathe in our culture today. But what the gospel does is, is it takes us, and it, it takes us from all of our different positions, and, and it puts us on a level playing field. It doesn't allow us any room for pride at all. It cuts right against the grain of how our world tells us to think about ourselves. And because it tells us that we're all sinners. 
We're all sinners in need of the grace that God offers us through Jesus. But equally, and even more so, we're, we're more loved than we could ever imagine. And I think even when we believe the gospel, even, even if you've said yes, yes, yes to everything I've been saying for the last 20 minutes, we can still struggle to, to shake off that, that inbuilt need that we have to justify ourselves. Um, I was once on leadership at a church, um, not this church, a different one, that was declining a bit in number, going, going through a bit of a, a tough season of church life. And down the road, there was a church that was just exploding, growing exponentially. Lots of people were, were leaving our church, joining this new one, and, and raving about how good this new church was. Uh, and I found that it really, really affected my sense of identity. See, I, I knew that in my head that my identity was in Jesus, Jesus dying for me and Jesus being raised. But I realized that in my heart, I wanted the identity of, of being a, a successful church leader, being, being part of a growing church. Uh, do you ever find yourself craving an identity that's a bit more impressive than what the gospel offers? We need to be careful with this. We need to, to constantly examine our hearts and, and to point ourselves back to Jesus, to remind ourselves and to remind each other that the identity that we have in him is ultimately all we need. And so the more that I grasp that, that I can come to God only because Jesus did what I couldn't, the more that, it, that I'll grow, firstly, in humble dependence on Jesus, but secondly, and flipping to the other side of the coin, we'll grow in joyful assurance in Jesus. Because it's not up to me to earn my way to God. It's, it's not even up to me to earn part of my way to God. That's a horrible place to be in if, if we think that, that it's all up to me to earn my way to God because there's no way of ever knowing if we've done enough. There's no way of knowing if we're good enough. Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you find it hard to accept that you're right with God or, or you find it hard to accept that, that you could be right with God if, if you decided to start following Jesus. Um, maybe it seems a bit too good to be true. Maybe, maybe you think that that's the sort of promise that only applies to to someone who's lived a better life than me, someone who doesn't have my past, someone who doesn't have the problems that I have at the moment. Well, the beauty of the gospel message is that Jesus has done what I couldn't. He, he has done what each one of us couldn't do. He's paid it all. He's paid everything. And so the devil can't accuse me if my trust is in Jesus. He, he has nothing to throw at me before God. No charge against me will stick. There's, there's, there's no charge he can bring before me. Uh, we we, read, we um, touched on earlier Hebrews chapter 4 where we remember that we, we have a great high priest who was tempted just as we are but, but didn't sin. And in the very next verse, we're, we're told that because of that, we can approach God's throne with confidence. And that is the beauty of the gospel, that we can come before the throne of God, not because of what we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And if we've grasped that, then it will lead us more and more into humble dependence on Jesus and joyful assurance in Jesus. Because Jesus resisted temptation. He succeeded where we failed. And he did that to show that he's the true son of God. He's our perfect representative. And he's willing and able to save us. Let's pray.
our great and merciful God, we give you thanks and praise for your perfect son, our perfect saviour, Jesus, who resisted the devil's temptations, succeeded where we failed, and proved himself to be your true son and our only hope. And we thank you that he was obedient all the way to death so that we could have true life. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to, to follow him with humble dependence and joyful assurance, knowing that he did what we couldn't so that we could be saved. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.